If something is keeping me up at night, which things often do, but if it's day after day after day, you can't get it out of your head, what are you waiting for? Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, here in the Polo Pro Studio. Today's guest is Alex Gassaway, who's a creative founder and entrepreneur, as well as a full-time YouTuber and freelance filmmaker. In my conversation with Alex, we go into all the details of how she began her journey into YouTube and filmmaking, as well as how to integrate doing something with a purpose with your creative talents and skills. In fact, Alex is actually building a small business where she will connect nonprofits with content creators, combining the power of influence with nonprofit and humanitarian work. Alex has done multiple projects for other nonprofits and things that she feels really strongly about. And I think if you're somebody who really wants to make a difference in this world using the talents and skills that you have, you're going to really learn a lot from this episode. And before we start our episode, I need to remind you guys to please subscribe to the podcast in the podcast player of choice that you use. And if you happen to use the Apple podcast app, I would like to ask you to please leave a rating and a review. We have a lot of listeners, but not a ton of subscribers. So please help us out with that. It really helps with the algorithm and the growth of this show. So if you're a fan of the show, it would mean a lot to me if you would do that. Alex is a good friend of mine and it was a pleasure to have her on the podcast today. So without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Alex. All right, Alex Gassaway, we're here. Golden Hour Podcast. Hello, hello. We're friends, so this is fun to have you on. <laughs> Would you call yourself a YouTuber or yeah. like a filmmaker? I think, um, You're a documentarian as well. Yeah, on my bio, I think I'm creative founder and YouTuber. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we'll get to all that, but let's just start with some rapid fire questions. Um, basically, I've just got a couple of basic questions here uh, that I'll ask you. Just answer them as quickly as possible. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? Yes. Where are you from? I'm from Crawfordsville, Indiana. Favorite camera? Sony a7 III. Go-to lens? Tamron 28-75. Favorite gimbal? Ronin S. Best location to travel to? Faroe Islands. Oh. Yeah. Photo or video? Video. Commercial work, YouTube, or Instagram? <sighs> YouTube. All sure. right. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll get into some of those topics, but we'll start with where you're from. Tell me about growing up in the Midwest or mm. what is that where it is? Yeah. Yeah. Midwest. Kind of. Yeah. What was it like growing up out there? Um, Very different from LA. So yeah. I moved here four, between four and five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just small town. It's different mm -hmm. depending. I mean, people in the Midwest are very different. If you grew up in Chicago or Indianapolis or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, very, very small town, lots of cornfields, mm -hmm. um, just a different experience. I think overall from the people I've talked to that grew up out here yeah. is just like, what do you do with your free time as a kid? Right. Yeah. Um, what did you do? Rollerblading. Yes. Lots of sports. I played actually five sports in high school. What'd you play? Um, I started out well in high school. I started out playing basketball, soccer, and tennis, and then for my senior year, I picked up track wow. and golf. <laughs> Jeez. Which one did you like the most? Um, well, I ended up playing basketball in college. So I, I'd say that's definitely the favorite yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just weird. Are you, you just... competitive? 
Yes. <laughs> very. Which makes you a good YouTuber because in yeah. a way being a YouTuber requires being friendly but also a little comp- a little competition. Yeah. A little healthy competition. Yeah, healthy competition for sure. <laughs> yeah, I joke around with um some of my best YouTuber friends. They're called their channel is Method Box. It's two brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know those um, guys. And we we when we met we were all kind of at the same level and we just keep growing together. So, um yeah. I was at like four and a half thousand and they were and they were at they passed me up to like 5.5k mm-hmm. and I only gave them a week until I until I blew past them again. Heck so yeah. we're always like checking <laughs> neck in neck. and like making sure that we're on top of it. And it's stuff. good. So, yeah. The tide rises together. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so through high school you did uh, sports and stuff like that. But were you also interested in the arts and things like yeah, that as well? Yeah, definitely. I'd say it took like content or or my dream of like working in Hollywood or the entertainment industry definitely took a backseat to sports when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I also don't think it was really like it's not a a job that people talked about there. Yeah, I was going to say is that know? culturally like that culture definitely respected sports and athletics right. as like the gold, you know, nugget. Yeah. They sure. don't really see a lot of Hollywood people coming out of your high school. <laughs> I don't know that there are any <laughs> um for sure yeah. yeah it's it's a different way like i don't even know people ask me this a lot actually i have no idea why i decided that i wanted to be a part of that i and i never i wasn't the kid that was like oh i want to be a director when i grow up i've mm-hmm. i've been playing with cameras since i was five right like mm-hmm. that's not even my story i i just i i don't know i just wanted to tell stories i guess so I got my first camera as a graduation gift from high school. So that's oh, really wow. in college is really when I started playing around with cameras and shooting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go through college in Indiana? And stuff? Yeah. Um, I actually went to college like 30 minutes from where I grew up. Nice. Um, so 13th school. grade is what yeah. they called it probably. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I went to one yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah. I went yeah, to a yeah. community school that like okay. I saw all my old high school friends at that same community school. It's oh, like yeah. 13th grade. What's up? Yeah. There was only, there was only two people that, from my high school that went to my oh, college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, never it's mind. Like a private Division three mm-hmm. um, liberal arts college. So, okay. Yeah. 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 But um, so you went through college and like, when did you kind of get the bug for filmmaking? And I mean, obviously that first camera sparked something in you. Mm-hmm. So what was that process like getting into video? Yeah, there was. Uh, we had a media like honors program, so I was in that, and we were required to kind of explore the different media's, which and in our school was uh, a newspaper mm-hmm. um, and the television station and the radio station. So obviously television was what I was most interested in. Um, so, you know, we had a, we had a studio and I, I took a directing like a TV live TV directing course as a freshman, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting, but also um, I'd say when my, when I really started diving into video was my junior year of college, I had an internship um, over the summer and into October that I was at a video production company in Chicago. Um, mm. And then when I got back, basically it was supposed to be a whole semester, but I played basketball. So I was only there the summer through half the semester because mm. then basketball started. So the, the entire October through January, I had no classes. So I just started shooting all the time and just wow. like coming up with different video ideas, um, most of them having to do with kind of the athletic department and stuff because that, that was my other passion at the time. Yeah. Um, just shooting all the time and, and really, really diving into learning how to edit from what I had just learned from shooting that Shooting hoops and shooting video. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a great way to fall into it is to blend your two passions yeah. together. And that's what I did and a lot of other people did as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, w- what was it then 
was it like not until you graduated college that you started actually going more into it? I mean, mm-hmm. was basketball still like, did you want to be a pro athlete as well? I mean, definitely not. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so you kind of yeah. knew I'm just here for the scholarship kind of thing? Or? Um, I mean, I just loved the game. Um, yeah. And I went to that school because they had a really, really good basketball program. We actually won the national championship wow, my junior that's fun. year. So that was that was a complete thank you. That was a complete blast. And um, what position did you I play often? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. So I don't know anything about sports ball, but that sounds good. <laughs> I was the tall person in the middle. Only I wasn't very tall, but it was fine. It worked out. But you were the tallest. Yeah. So. Well, not often, but um, okay. yeah, no, it was fun, but. I think I wow. really dove into more video when I had obviously more time after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And I remember going this, this really deep dive. And it was, I always planned to move to Los Angeles after, but um, my now wife was going to be staying in St. Louis to uh, pursue her doctorate in physical therapy. Was she so, in your school as well? Yeah, we met playing basketball actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was on my team in, in college. Yeah. So, um, I was kind of exploring, okay, I'm not going to make it out to Hollywood right now. So like, what can I do with storytelling with a video? So I remember doing this massive deep dive and trying to figure out how to pursue this in the Midwest because it's just mm-hmm. not as common. Yeah. And I discovered that like businesses need video. Mm-hmm. Like it was this massive revelation, right? Like I had never <laughs> thought of this. Like it seems so simple and obvious, yeah. but just understanding that. So I just, uh, I just started making videos for businesses just commercial projects yeah and, uh, yeah like really obviously talking low heads budget and, <laughs> yeah and just like learning along the way so that's well, when i really dove into it it's a great way to start making money i mean that's that's the way a lot of people start yeah um you know you can actually make money because these businesses are making money and they need right promos and videos and obviously social media has changed the whole landscape so yeah. everybody needs videos yeah i feel like that was so that would have been 2014 so everything mm-hmm. like everything was just starting to to yeah grow and yeah. like of course just video online and everything so. people were starting to understand the value of it right it took a while for people to get it still it still still so. oh my gosh it's true <laughs> i was listening to um casey neistat on david dobrik's podcast uh, okay. yesterday okay which by the way he's a guest on dobrik's podcast go <laughs> go listen to that one um and he mentioned he's like still i'm still shocked that um, the big like MTVs and VH1 and Nickelodeon still hasn't fully embraced YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And like, yeah. they're not like he said, if you look at the late night shows, they have embraced it. Mm-hmm. SNL, like on Saturday night, I'll go on my subscription feed on YouTube and I'll see live as each skit goes live on TV. They, uh, they unlist or they list their uh, yeah. videos yeah so i don't even watch snl on tv anymore i just watch it on youtube right and you know jimmy kimmel's getting millions and millions of views every day right they get on more YouTube. views on youtube than they do at their show right exactly yeah which monetarily speaking i don't know if they're coming out ahead or like or not right because How it compares to i know actually... that the ad rev for right. that is nowhere near what it would have been back in the day with traditional television but at least they're embracing it mm-hmm. and uh you know, can you imagine like a reality show budget and reality, like people who understand how to tell a good story through reality TV on MTV and transitioning that into a vlog format on YouTube and how right. that would just crush. Yeah. I mean, basically Logan and Jake Paul did that right. in their own way. But if you take a professional producer who's been making MTV shows for a decade mm-hmm. and tell them, all right, now do this on YouTube. And give them 
like a significant budget, but it will mm-hmm. be significantly lower budget than you would have yeah. done if it were on yeah, television. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But um, that was just a good point that I never thought about. He's like, it might be another decade before they actually fully embrace it. Right. Um, TV is not dead. It's just the eyeballs have transitioned to other things. Exactly. Um, that's kind of an offshoot and a little ramble that I gave. But what, what do you think about that? I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next five years, especially 10 years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have the same thought. It's like, why are you, why are more people not transitioning over? I mean, mm-hmm. you can keep doing what you're doing, but, but I please mean, don't because I right, wanna... like we're, we're just going to keep crushing it over here. Like, yeah. It's fine. But you have more like A-list celebrities that are popping onto YouTube and it just, it's Will creating Smith, a really, yeah. Will Smith Jack just like the best. blew up Jack Black and you have Zac Efron now as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's collaborating with like dude. Perfect. He's oh, really? starting to collaborate with more YouTubers. Okay. okay. So you graduate college, you, you start doing the commercial work. Um, what happens next? Like, what do you get bored of it? Do you love it? And you want to build more of a business? Like, yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still doing commercial work for sure. Um, I, along the, along the road. I mean, you moved here eventually. Yeah, I moved here. Um, I actually went to grad school. I have my MBA. Um, nice. It's kind of worthless in what we do. But <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. It's there. <laughs> it's on a wall. You can put that next um, to your 100,000 subscriber button exactly. whenever you get that. MBA degree, whatever. Um, and along the way, I wanted to start to work with more nonprofits mm-hmm. and have worked with nonprofits. But like my last client, um, that we just had a five-day shoot. Awesome nonprofit, Invisible People. Yes, I know um, them. That's the yeah. Coney. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, had this whole journey of like talking to a bunch of nonprofits and dealing with months and months of red tape and getting board approval for different budgets and stuff. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of led me to where I am today working on my software company that's trying to basically tell nonprofit stories and powerful impact stories that brands are going to underwrite for creators to tell those stories for them. So. That's kind of like the, that's the process to where I am today. Well, you just told it in a nutshell. I mean, <laughs> can you expand on what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, what is the thing that you're building the yeah. software? So it's called Lofty and it's basically, you could almost, it's like a influencer marketing platform, but for the impact industry. So it's almost a match.com for creators, nonprofits, and brands who want to collaborate for a cause. So I, I'm a creator and I want to work with a nonprofit. I use your app just like a dating site, Mm -hmm. but that's not a very good metaphor, (laughs) but still for lack of a better metaphor, um, it matches me up with a nonprofit that I would be interested in working with. And then obviously for them, it benefits them because now they're getting content Mm -hmm. from a creator that is interested in doing it. Exactly. It's right now. There's just no really streamlined way. It's actually very difficult for, organizations to find creators that would be interested in working Mm. with them right because we're not like self-identifying like passionate about this cause in our bios right so it's like hard to find and it's hard we have to make money so exactly often the nonprofit work is something that we would do as a volunteer right which is just kind of goofy because i've talked to many nonprofits who this whole thing was sparked by a conversation with a with a founder that what they they spent twenty thousand dollars on a kind of really terrible video, like mm-hmm. six minute kind of documentary style video that was actually kind of terrible. Yeah. And, you know, they opened up their YouTube channel so they could link this video into their website. And I saw it two years after it was uploaded and it had 52 views, Ooh. right? So it's <laughs> oh. like, they spent $20,000 on this video. And it's like, why? <laughs> yeah. 
you know that that approving that budget probably took them like a year and then 50 people saw it they probably played it at their gala but sure. like the people who donated at their gala were already going to donate anyway so nonprofits just have these really powerful stories and yeah. creators are passionate about causes and telling everyone stories. has at least one cause that they're passionate about mm -hmm. and would love to contribute to but we're all also very busy and we're trying to build a business and we're trying mm -hmm. to make money and feed ourselves right yeah and then you have all these brands that are understanding that millennials and Gen Z especially, but everyone really in the world, consumers are starting to realize that they can vote with their dollars and they, mm. they want to buy from companies that care about the mm. world, right? So brands are trying to connect with us based on shared values as well. And then if you work with an influencer who has hundreds of thousands of followers, obviously the influencer can use that content for their own social media, right? which also raises awareness for the nonprofit. It's a win-win because -win yeah. instead of getting 50 views, they probably get thousands of views, exactly. if not millions. You know, Raise awareness. On... And then also for creators, it's a really good way to build in some more authenticity and, and connection to your audience because they're getting yeah. a, a view into like really what you care about. Exactly. Yeah. So that's... Great idea. That's what I'm doing. Heck yeah. <laughs> How can people find out about that? Um, Is there a site right open now, yet? Right now, follow me. I haven't made yeah. the site yet. It's like still early yeah um it's send a long, alex a dm and be like long sign process me send me a dm <laughs> yeah you should set up a uh um what's it called mailchimp and then you could have like a yes. you could have the website do you have the domain already yeah so you could just have like an empty like subscribe for updates that's right thing, just you know? yeah newsletter coming mm -hmm. soon <laughs> that's awesome i can't wait to hear more about that as that grows yeah um so at what point did you start doing your youtube channel hmm it's been maybe a year and a half. Um, I started out, I was just doing a weekly upload of like creator gear reviews and stuff, mm -hmm. um, which was really fun and, and a good way to start. I mm -hmm. basically just decided that more women needed to be on the platform. Absolutely. And cause that's what I wanted to see more of. And so I just mm -hmm. hopped on and then, and then I started a daily vlog last October. So October of 2018, um, it's supposed to be like documenting the process of building the software company. Mm -hmm. Um, only made it i was gonna do it for a year but only made it like 110 days but um, so days. since then i've just been making more like short films and yeah and stuff like that so when i scroll through your youtube channel i go down to like two years ago there was like a ton of sitting down at your desk videos what were those about oh that was the start of my youtube channel social um, media to build a personal brand Nailing your logins, filmmaker series, LinkedIn for your personal yes, brand. Yes, yes. So okay, so that one I did like a series. It was a, it was supposed to be a forty-five day daily vlog. I was crowdfunding my first short film, so I directed my first short film, and mm -hmm. I and I put up. We did a crowdfunding campaign for that. So of the forty for the forty-five day crowdfunding campaign, I was supposed to make a video every day. Mm -hmm. I was also getting married in the middle of that time. Okay. So I just took on too much, but I did end up doing like 35 days in a 45 day campaign. So that was before the vlog that you were talking about. Yeah. 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 So gotcha. that was the start of my channel. And I there swear, you go. Hey, I hey, hey. Totally wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you go past that, then you see the gear reviews and um, the vlog stuff. Yeah. It doesn't look like you were naming them like episode one, episode two, but no. they were just there. It was more like. Cause when you're building, try like when you're building a software company, you're really just sitting at your desk every day working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> not so, much to vlog about. Yeah, not much vlogging was happening. It was more like I was trying to create an informational video every single day. Yeah. That I now make like once a week. Right? <laughs> so it was just it was a lot, but 
Your number one video in terms of views is titled, Did Casey Neistat Change Your Life? Yeah. And uh, it's a 14-minute video, and I recommend everybody go watch it. But did Casey Neistat change your life, Alex? Yes. Tell me did. about that. Yeah, how, sure. how did he change your life? Um, I go into detail in the video and also uh, have a lot of other creators talk about how he changed their lives. Yeah. But yeah, um, in the middle of that story of like how I got to where I am right now, I left out the part where... Um, one of my entrepreneur friends that I met in St. Louis when I was living there, actually, he recommended I watch Casey Neistat and mm -hmm. Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. um, Good combo. So that was my like introduction. You get the creative and the yeah, business. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you were watching Gary and Casey. Yeah. So that was really my first intro into YouTube as an entertainment platform. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. Like, I don't even know where I was before that, but I was one of the people that thought YouTube videos were all just like dumb like, cat, videos. cat videos, basically. Viral videos. Yeah. So I started watching Casey just like every day. It was part of my morning routine. Mm -hmm. Um, and yep. eight o'clock, you posted a vlog. Exactly. Every day. Exactly. And so that was in the moment where I was like doing client work and trying to build like video production business. And, you know, then he, then I noticed he was doing sponsored content, right? So he had brands paying him to make this content. So it was, yeah. it was all like a slow process of connecting all these parts that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And then I had these nonprofits that were hard to work with because they have to get approval for all these budgets and everything. So he really just opened my eyes to this world, yeah. right? So I should really thank my, my friend, Steve, who <laughs> <laughs> he really changed my life. But yeah, I was just watching Casey every day and, and seeing this different format because mm -hmm. before I wanted to work in Hollywood, I wanted. I thought that was the way you tell stories to a mass audience. Well, that's mm -hmm. just not the case. It's yeah, really it's not a way, but it's definitely not, not the way the to future. probably reach the most people, especially when it comes to impact stories. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's really cool. Everybody, go check out that video on your channel. You posted it eight months ago. Didn't you go to three six eight as well? Yeah, which so is Casey's. Um, what what would you call it? It's his creator studio. Creator studio. It's in New yeah. York. Yeah. So that that was the video basically that that I planned when I found out that I was invited to three six eight. Nice. Because um, I just wanted to create something. I actually also followed. I basically went through his whole like backlog on YouTube and took screen grabs of what I what I thought were some of his most iconic places. That's awesome. And that's how I explored New York. So I spent five days. <laughs> I basically printed out pictures and found the locations mm -hmm. and took pictures of the picture in the location. Oh, so cool. Did he see it or talk to you about yeah, it? Yeah, he commented and um, I was actually on Tyler Babin's podcast uh -huh. and he told me that uh, he he used to work for Gary Vee, uh -huh. and Gary and Casey were meeting at three six eight, and he Tyler told me that Casey pulled up my video. Oh, during, uh, during that meeting, he said, <laughs> "If you like look my... at the comment, the, the pinned comment is from Casey. It says this is amazing and flattering, but flatter flattery aside, you made an amazing video. Yeah, so, so that's cool. Very awesome. And we also have comments from Jesse Driftwood and Becky and Chris, and Cody Wagner. Yes. Yeah. Yes." It that's awesome. Fun. They all shared it out. That's why it, that's why it went as viral as that's it awesome. did in in terms of my channel. Yeah, yeah. So your channel focuses on three different aspects: creativity, business, and purpose. How do you differentiate these three subject pillars from one another while also having uh, them share one space on your channel? Yeah. So this has been a real struggle for me, honestly, because those are the three things that I'm passionate about, right? And those are mm -hmm. the three pillars of the company that I'm building. Um, is connecting really those three parties and those three industries. Um, in terms of content, I'm still figuring out how 
how each of my videos connects those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have to remind myself every day basically is that like I'm a person and mm-hmm. I'm passionate about all three of those things. <laughs> and yeah. like other creators that I talk to every day are also really excited about those three things. Yeah. So it's like I've I've been trying to almost like not separate them as much and almost just it, create for the audience that I know exists that mm-hmm. that also likes all three of those things. Yeah. So I'm still experimenting. I'm still figuring it out, but I do have a new series called Collab for a Cause and that's... What's it? Wait, um, say it again? Collab for a Cause. Collab for a Cause. Yeah. Gotcha. So I basically am uh, working with a different creator each episode and taking them out on an impact experience. So mm-hmm. they get to basically choose what cause that they're passionate about and we can raise awareness, do a sort of, sort of cool. experience around that cause. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what this human IT um, tech unboxing video is for that series as well. Sweet. So that's been a fun way to yeah. just like you're, combine you, all you're, of them. Uh, YouTuberizing it, if that's a word. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like you're, you're taking a really important cause that could easily objectively be considered a boring thing to make a video about right like the top the the thing that you're talking about is not a boring thing right but people just are not going to click on like a video hanging out with the creator of this amazing organization right that does amazing things it's right like, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. But or, like, or they wouldn't click on the video that the very traditional production company would make about that nonprofit that obviously they got paid twenty thousand dollars fifty two <laughs> views exactly right but like doing what Mr. Beast does where he's doing, you know, uh, an environmental awareness video, but he's not titling it environmental awareness. Planning. Exactly. He's like planting a million trees, you know, like 20 million trees, or right. however many. Um, so you're, you're taking what's relevant and then taking like things that actually matter and making it entertaining and making it interesting. And that I hope is so. That's the a goal. really clever way to do it. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you, obviously you're you're trying to do that. You're trying to make entertainment out of important topics. How, how do you do that? (laughs) Ooh, lots of brainstorming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I often wish that I had like a partner in crime, um, just to bounce ideas off of right now. It's my wife and Mm -hmm. she does her best, but she's, you know, she's a physical therapist. Everybody's creative in their own way. She's creative and she, she enjoys Mm-hmm. almost being involved in it because it gets it scratches that itch for her a little yeah. bit but you know she doesn't she doesn't know about the algorithm she doesn't sure. you know she doesn't <laughs> research this on her you spare find a time kid. so you yeah find a kid i found a kid his name's jake he's been working with me and he just has like because he's 21 i say kid i'm he's 20 been watching I'm youtube 29. for 10 years then yeah right? he's been watching <laughs> it so like i'll just be like i need to do a video about this or that and he's like what if instead of you talking about the camera and just sitting there you title it eating hot wings while reviewing the arcs 107 <laughs> i'm like that's a great idea <laughs> so like i never would have thought of that yeah, yeah he's like man hot wings are big now you gotta do hot wings <laughs> so um so you gotta find a kid yeah, that like is in find, tune with it let's find somebody um, who lives and breathes youtube yeah. yeah but obviously you're you're very plugged in with the community i mean you're active on uh twitter instagram and you've got a lot of youtuber friends now how has that helped you with your process, you know, going into YouTube videos? It's been huge. And it was once I decided to start YouTube and I kind of nailed down the idea of what I wanted my company and my software to be, Mm -hmm. um, I knew a huge aspect of that was going to be 
actually building myself into this community the community that i've been watching for i guess like three years Mm -hmm. um but i wanted to be seen as a peer and i think it's worked out really well and it's it's been a different experience you know it set out as a goal like i need to meet these people if i want them to be on my platform i need to actually know what they want and need Mm -hmm. um but it's just been it's the best part of what we do and i i underestimated that when i started Mm -hmm. but yeah meeting people i mean it's been I, I have people that I've met at like conferences and stuff that aren't as plugged into the community and they're always asking me like how like how do you know all these people? And it's like honestly, if anyone and I also get this question all the time, is like how do you how could I collab with somebody? And it's like if if I could give one advice is like just be their friend. Like yeah. just don't with like, no uh with no, no expectations. Or yeah. Expectations. Yeah. yeah, it's like just be active and treat social media mm-hmm. as an actual community because that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, but that's been, yeah, the most surprising and amazing part of the process is just like getting to meet all these awesome people. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, I'm the perfect example of that. Like we're friends because of our interactions on Twitter and I've just, I've run into you a couple of times at like conferences right? and we never actually like did anything together. And I was, I saw the collab you did and I was like, I want to do that. I think you might have even tried to get me to do something else previously that I couldn't do just for conflict. Right. So it's been like our relationship as friends has like taken a year or whatever. Yeah. And then like last week we did something <laughs> together, the collab, and then we like had lunch, got to know each other. Right. I was like, why don't you come on the podcast? You <laughs> exactly. know, so it's all just. Yeah, that's the exact process of how I'm here today, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and it didn't feel weird. I don't feel like, you know, it we're just like like genuinely i was trying friends. to take advantage of you no yeah use exactly you for your reach or whatever <laughs> like. yeah my small reach uh <laughs> but yeah i mean it's just natural and i do that all the time and i mean it's kind of probably easy for us to say that maybe because we grew up being like that maybe or like we right. were surrounded by parents who were more outgoing than others or i don't know where would you consider yourself no. an outgoing person no I've like so this has been a challenge for you it's it's really interesting I've actually thought about making a video um like something like intro an introvert tackles networking or something because <laughs> that's a great I'm just title. getting a lot of comments on like that oh you're networking like, you're so good at networking and it's like man that was my nightmare <laughs> like that has always been my nightmare okay. is like talking to strangers yeah. and I think is definitely changed when I feel like like before we met, I felt like I knew you already. Like I watch mm-hmm. your videos, right? Mm-hmm. Video changes things and it and it makes you meet somebody that you've been talking to or watching their stuff on even if it's Instagram DMs or whatever. Yeah. Um, for a year or two years, then you finally meet in person as like instant friends. It's like yeah, yeah we know each other, we we have so many things in common. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I've been meaning to tackle that video because it's just like I'm totally an introvert. Um, I actually, I think I made a video. I think I'm technically considered an extrovert introvert. So I, it takes a lot of energy for me to like just be talking and meeting new people. Um, mm-hmm. So I have to recharge in like private in my own space. Oh, wow. So what but do you I do after still, this? <laughs> Gonna th- lay down in a corner? This actually is becoming like very common, right? <laughs> I've been recording my own podcast episodes. I've been on uh-huh. a lot of podcasts recently. So this is just like us hanging out, right? Yeah. But like conferences. So like I went to Vid Summit. Yeah, it's like three days of conference work, right? Just meeting a ton of people. Mm-hmm. I think for like four days afterwards, I just like was cooped up in my house. <laughs> like I, I couldn't, I didn't even have the energy to edit that week. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just have to 
Relax. sit here in the dark like yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's it's, it's interesting because it's just i've changed personally so much and i think that's mm-hmm. a huge part of what i've gotten out of youtube in general is just it's pulled you out of your shell a little building bit. confidence mm-hmm. and and just building relationships it's been that's really fun interesting. yeah i mean for me when i was 14 years old i started doing magic and i remember right. i was i was put into a position where it was like okay you got to entertain all these people like wait they're strangers i have to go up to them and be like hi i'm david do you want to see a magic trick <laughs> and uh that really taught me how to just get out of my shell and i did that for years so maybe that's why for me in this it's been easy because i had that foundation of just going up to cold to strangers yeah that would be so hard it was that was probably the scariest that was wow. the scariest part was yeah just going up to a stranger and say hi would you like to see a magic trick <laughs> I learned to like I not young Dave voice. <laughs> it's I learned to not allow no as an answer. Honestly, it was just like, "Hi, I'm Dave. I'm the magician here. Whoa, you have something in your ear," and then just go into it. Yes. You know, <laughs> so perfect. Um, which uh, you know, I think applies to relationships as well. You don't want to be forceful or controlling, but just like be natural and just be like, "Hi, I'm so and so. What do you do? Wow, that's cool. Ah, da 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 da. You know, like you don't right. have to ask permission to like." do you have a moment to talk with me for a second that makes it more awkward yes yes it does <laughs> excuse yes. me excuse me miss uh could i please have a few moments with you <laughs> um i'm not sure what this is about to be so maybe not <laughs> yeah so yeah. i think um, it's like the communities that we're building online especially for me it's instagram twitter and youtube mm-hmm. um probably more instagram and twitter because youtube is comments and it's great but mm-hmm. it's also like we can't have a full conversation on yeah, there. You can have but an angry conversation. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Um, but it's like, I maybe actually this, I'm totally going on a side tangent here, but um, sometimes I think about, because I get this question all the time. It's really wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes I, so I worked on the Ellen show in college. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I actually like met a Ellen? lot of celebrities. Like the Ellen? Yes. Like the Ellen oh, show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I met a ton of celebrities like Ariana Grande. I drove be, like right before she hit it big. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know who she was. I drove her around <laughs> like, for some like, an Disney entire day. Yes, exactly. I just yeah. drove around in the car. Like we hung out for like five hours. That's awesome. But now like reaching out to people who have 100,000 subscribers or something like yeah, yeah. or not even reaching out to them, but just like commenting and building a relationship. Like it's yeah. less intimidating maybe. They're just people. Yeah. Everyone's just people. Even mm-hmm. Ariana Grande. Like, <laughs> we're all just people. So yeah, as long as you're, you know, not immediately like trying to pull something out of the relationship, mm-hmm. it's like just be friends with people. I am interrupting this conversation with Alex briefly to remind you guys to subscribe to the Golden Hour podcast in your podcast player of choice. This is typically where most people would have some sort of ad read. There's no ads here. We're doing this all for free and we're giving you this free content every week. So please do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast as well as leave a rating and review in the Apple podcast player. Thanks again for listening to the Golden Hour podcast. Let's get back to our conversation with Alex. Did you actually meet Casey when you went to the 368? No, okay. I haven't met Casey. Bummer. Yeah. Well, he lives here now, so maybe there's a chance. One day. I'll just troll Venice Beach every day <laughs> yeah. for like three Just hang months, out at Venice bound Beach. Bound to run into him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite type of content to make and uh, what platform? I mean, obviously, YouTube, I would assume, is your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah, I think... I mean, just narr- like narrative stories. I just like to okay. tell stories. So... 
Um, I definitely still do gear reviews and different things because I think they're important because mm -hmm. I've learned so much from gear reviews and tutorials. Yeah. Um, and I also really want to help even nonprofits, like people who are working in really small nonprofits, mm -hmm. tell your own stories, right? Because mm -hmm. we can't get to all of you immediately, even with, with software when it's done, right? Um, so I like doing that stuff. But yeah, this series, Collab for a Cause, is uh, my first almost dive into more of like a documentary YouTube documentary type series, which I'm really excited about because mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to tell stories more so than more so than like searchable content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But I also really like Instagram lately. Oh, Instagram yeah? has been really fun and just like kind of experimenting with different micro content and and showing a little behind the scenes on there. Um, I just recently did like a epic B-roll like Daniel Schiffer mm -hmm. video and um Put that on instagram as well and it did insanely well it was wow. wild just watching it i've never had a piece of content like that on instagram so just playing around with that it's been really fun as well yeah but over it got like 11, over views it got over um 800 saves wow so which my normal is like my highest before that was like 50 saves so wow that was That's crazy awesome. <laughs> heck yeah so, I mean, what did you learn from that? Are you going to do more of it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely going to do more of it. Yeah, Instagram is interesting. I uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of the people that come in and do this podcast are full-time uh, Instagram mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And I've, as a video person, learned so much about it. What have you learned kind of taking your video brain and then applying it to Instagram? Obviously, it's a photo-first platform, but you've posted a lot of videos on mm -hmm. here. And that doesn't surprise me because the way that you creatively think is probably through video, For not sure. through photo. Yeah. Yeah. I've been experimenting with photography over the last year, which has been really fun. I think I've improved a lot, but yeah, video is always my, my go-to. Mm -hmm. um, it is what I like to consume better on the content or on the platform, I think. Um, but yeah, I think my, my two best posts over the last three months have definitely been videos. Um, That's cool. Yeah. No, I think, I think everyone just has to experiment and also, yeah take some of the pressure off of what we're posting mm -hmm. like some of the like i don't know i try to think about it like when i'm scrolling through instagram what am i liking and it doesn't have to be the best photo and i love reading captions that are giving yeah. a little more a little more context to the people that i like mm -hmm. to engage with and like to hear their stories so i think we should just take a little pressure off of yeah the instagram feed um <laughs> i like mine to look good but it's also like just put up what you want to put up and see what yeah. happens and... so use social media as social media was designed to be used yeah kind of like that <laughs> so not a business or a portfolio piece necessarily yeah i also love stories i don't know about you but i love yeah. watching people's stories and mm -hmm. i'd say if anyone wants to learn more about like oh, what's possible you mean instagram stories Yes. I thought you meant just storytelling, oh. which you speak very highly of <laughs> in general. Also that too, but I love Instagram <laughs> stories. Um, yes. If anyone wants to see, like, one of my favorite creators on Instagram and Twitter, honestly, is Cody Warner. Mm -hmm. If you don't follow him, he's just an amazing creator. He's doing it full time. And he's just got really creative stuff that he's doing on those mm -hmm. platforms. And I'm always baffled by it. I'm like, how much time do you put <laughs> into these? Because I need to be doing more of that. Um, yeah. He's just really impressive in, like, just his his mm -hmm. use of Instagram and IGTV and all that stuff. So, I think um, it's cool that we have you on <clears throat> right now because I feel like we're getting you kind of in the grind of building your business, building your YouTube channel, building your Instagram, building 
everything and experimenting. Uh, I mean, you've mentioned that a lot that you're still trying to figure out what you want to do. I think there's a lot of people that can probably relate to that who are listening to this podcast. I know I feel that way as well with my content. Right. Um, Even though you may be in a certain niche or whatever, sometimes as a creative, you can just get bored and like, okay, well, maybe I should try this and then Mm -hmm. maybe I should try that. What, what do you have to say for somebody who's in your position? Um, should they dial in on one niche that they feel like they're good at? Is it okay to experiment? I mean, you're kind of bouncing around from documentaries to gear reviews to other things. Mm-hmm. Is that just because you get kind of bored or like because you want to have variety like that? or Trying to figure out what yeah. you like the most. Yeah, I think I'm still experimenting and and seeing what, people really like the most Mm -hmm. but also it's important to have your own vision and and do what you most enjoy because this is a really hard job this is Mm -hmm. something that's really difficult like especially if you want to be a youtuber or a content creator which isn't even my main goal right Mm -hmm. but if you want to do that it's a very very difficult job and it's like what's the longevity of that if you don't actually enjoy what you're making i doubt you would last more more than two years if even that long if you really just don't enjoy it it's it's a huge it's the most important part of the whole thing is that you enjoy what you're doing so for me i enjoy all of the things that i'm doing on my channel but Mm -hmm. i have like different moments where i want to do different things right yeah so even like i have i think maybe four mini doc episodes uh shot but i haven't edited any of them Mm -hmm. this is like I mean, other things get in the way and like the other uh, like creative tutorials and stuff take me less time to produce. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think I've forgotten the question now, but just like the, the, I mean, if we're going to go back to Gary Vee, who you've mentioned, he does say like when you're young, when you're in young can be relative young in your career, it's important to like experiment and just Mm -hmm. not be too stressed out about just dialing in on one thing just try right, everything right right and i think that's what i've heard a lot of um people who have youtube channels about youtube say mm-hmm. too is that like make make 100 videos right make make 100 videos mm-hmm. and see what you most enjoy and see what people most enjoy watching mm-hmm. right and and also make the videos that you want to watch exactly so i think if you're starting a youtube channel or, or an instagram account or whatever and you want to be an independent content creator mm-hmm. you have to experiment you have to play around because Oftentimes my ideas that I've had over the years, like that if you get too attached to an idea or if you Mm -hmm. like think, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that niche. Like that's what's going to work. Exactly. And you get too attached to it and it's not working. Mm -hmm. You probably need to pivot, but you can't know until you've made a bunch of content, actually tried and actually gotten good at what you, what you're attempting. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, experimentation is key for sure. And upload too, because that's part of the experimentation. I think a lot of people um might feel like oh this isn't good enough or Mm -hmm. it's not what i want it to be i have had a lot of value in just uploading stuff that i maybe don't think is perfect and then surprisingly people like oh this is great or like it gets a lot of views or like people comment on it and say this is awesome i'm like well my color grades off and the editing the music is mixed weird and like i see a bunch of mistakes in it but like for the most part done is better than uh, not finish or like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Or, done is better than perfect. I yeah, actually that's have that it. tattooed on my arm. Perfect. It's done. Is, done is better I knew than that. perfect. Come to bed in my wife's handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. I'm notorious for staying up till five yeah. or <clears throat> yeah. later. I can working. relate to that. Yeah, I'm a night owl. Yeah, so. yeah. 
I'm trying like to rehearse orders. that in my life. Well, I've heard that it's also genetic, so don't feel too hard about it. <laughs> like my mom will stay up to like 10 or 11 and she'll like, I'll call her and she's vacuuming the whole house at like 11 <laughs> at night. <clears throat> so I come by it honest. There Both of my parents stay up late and there sleep until noon. So right. my dad's right. self-employed, so he doesn't have to wake up at any time. So gotcha. I grew up with that. But the problem is rea- like culture doesn't function that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. But YouTubers do, so. You get a lot of work done between 11 and, and 5 p.m. There's n- None of the world is bothering you, so. I know. that. Or, wait, are you saying during work during, hours or not work hours? When I'm editing between 11 p.m. and, 11, and 5 And 5 a.m. Yeah. A lot done. Exactly. Lot done. I know. That's what except, I say. Except I'm always, like, really. And then you become a zombie. Yes, you become a zombie. Because and then you do have to wake when, up. Um, I start getting Twitter notifications from the East Coast. I'm like, oh, crap. I got to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know exactly cue. what you mean. I like, I start seeing people tweeting at 4 a.m. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's 7 a.m. They're already awake. They're awake. I still have to upload this video. <laughs> and then you're still editing and it's like 7, 8 o'clock. Yeah. It's like already 10 o'clock over there. Yeah. The, like, crap. Is it too late to is upload Is it too now? late to upload? I had the same <laughs> thought. So my last video that I made... Um, I had I had shot and cut the A roll, and it was like more of a creative video. So mm-hmm. like it was stupid, but I started editing at 11 p.m. and I edited it until 8:30 a.m. Yeah, and then um, Which exported is, and uploaded. It's and, like noon by the time right. or 12:30 in the East Coast by the time it's up. Yeah. So, but I did upload it and. Then, of course, had to cut the Instagram edit and then did that. And I think yeah. I was asleep by like 9.30. Isn't that the... That's the most deceiving part of doing this is like you finish your edit, you hit export, and then you're like, oh, finally. <laughs> that's only like... That's not even close to being done. Yeah. Not you even still got to do the thumbnail. thumbnail. You got to do the description. I used to like open up my Apple Notes and type the description before I my, the export is even finished. Mm-hmm. And that way you can just copy paste it in. But even... For some reason, I'm just like, oh, I'll just wait till I actually start uploading it to do my description and stuff. And so you're just sitting around. It's like, I'll watch The Mandalorian while this is <laughs> exporting. And, Perfect. Um, my yeah. internet speed in my apartment is super slow. So like it takes 30 <laughs> minutes for it to upload. So The worst is I had the other day I had to re-export because there was some weird audio thing. Mm. And I am I usually don't watch my videos back before I upload <laughs> them. You I'm really it. glad I did. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very deceiving that it's it's when done you when, you, when you're done with the with the edit it's like no nope. i guess in theory it could be if you had somebody that worked for you that did all the right. other stuff right. but we don't so <laughs> <laughs> um you and lizzie pierce are good friends and we had her on the podcast yeah that's right um how did you establish that relationship with her and uh hers was a little different actually from other people that i've met and gotten to know well on youtube is um I mean, I had been following her on and watching her stuff for a while and following on Twitter and kind of we had tweeted back and forth a few times, but mm-hmm. she's one that I had never DM'd or like really had a conversation with before I just emailed her and asked her if she wanted to collab for a cause. Heck yeah. Um, and she just emailed me back straight away. It was like, hell yeah, let's do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of a different experience and she was really generous. I did kind of a... so I went to three six eight in February, I think, mm-hmm. and then um, was invited back to speak in July. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be on the East Coast. I need to make the most out of this, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously you're stretching a budget. Yeah. And so I actually stopped in Harrisburg and, and uh, did an episode with Coney Warner. And then I went to New York and then I took a bus up to Toronto. 
And so it was totally stretching my budget. And she was actually super generous and just offered for me to stay with them. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, I got to know her and Chris a little bit. And yeah, they're yeah, so really nice. fun to hang out for a couple of days. We, we awesome. had them on the podcast. That was actually my first introduction to them when we had them on the podcast. And I think I saw some of Chris's work when he was doing some Peter stuff. Yeah. Um, I never saw any of Lizzie's stuff. And then I just started like becoming addicted to their content. And they're yeah. just so nice. Yeah. They're awesome people. Yeah. So cool. I'm glad you connected with her. Um, so when, when I did my rapid fire, I asked you about some gear related stuff is okay if we talk about some gear yeah so your favorite camera is the a7 III is that what you said for sure I shoot and then your go-to lens on that. yeah yeah and your go-to lens is the Tamron mm-hmm. which is like the perfect lens in my opinion yeah we talked about this but they've got like the wide angle one now too mm-hmm. it's super small what do you yeah. th- what do you think about the whole Sony system yes so I switched I started on Canon 60d back in the day mm-hmm it was my first camera as my Heck high school yeah. graduation gift. Flip screen, but no autofocus. Yeah, no autofocus. So I, I'm very glad you know that I learned without yeah. autofocus because Me too. I mean I, I pull focus all the time. Me too. Uh, you just can't depend when you can't depend on it when it's low light just mm-hmm. pull focus and it's really easy for mm-hmm. me <laughs> and sometimes the computer like just doesn't know what your brain wants right creatively so exactly it's important to know how to focus right um and so I switched to a samsung nx 500 nice it was like one of the first um mirrorless 4k cameras mm-hmm. did h265 right i don't know Kodak? i don't know that when i used that camera i knew much about codecs <laughs> to, be, okay. to be realistic so um and then i switched to sony cameras so i switched mm-hmm. to the a6500 after that yeah it's funny so I've been on- samsung actually had a couple of cameras and they just pulled out so they stopped yeah. making cameras yeah it was unimpressed with the NX500, yeah. to say the least. Um, Sorry so for your loss. <laughs> exactly. You still have it? No. Oh, you sold it? No, I sold it yeah. for sure. Um, so I've been in Sony for two and a half years, maybe, mm-hmm. and just love the system. It's yeah. so lightweight, and you can just build it out however I want. Like you saw last week, mm-hmm. I have it rigged out for like more client work and mm-hmm. handheld client work and stuff. But yeah, they're just a, so you versatile. You have a cage and like a battery system and yeah. a nice monitor yeah. and microphones, yeah. which is split with a wireless live system as well. Right, right. Yeah, it's really pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's been working. It's been working. Um, yeah, I love the a7 III. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a nice camera. I mean, yeah. I'm not opposed to, I love Canon cameras as well, but mm-hmm. I'm just now into the Sony system and I have yeah. both Tamron lenses, 28-75 and 17-28. And the 6400 as well. And the 6400 and... I just, they're working for me. Yeah, just, so everything you need. I mean, the A7 is perfect for photo and video. Mm-hmm. Get that full frame look. And then if you do want to film to the camera and you don't want to have a big setup, you can switch over to the 64. You got the yeah. flip up screen as well so you can see yourself. Which Unlimited is recording for yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's kind of, yeah, I guess that's kind of the perfect camera for like a live stream or a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. Mm-hmm. We took um, both of those cameras to Iceland and Faroe Islands in Norway when we just went this summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I basically just did exactly like that. I used the a7 III for like B-roll and photos and then mm-hmm. the a6400 for all the vlogging, talking stuff. Oh, that's awesome. So I could set up the composition and stuff, which is really fun. Is there a video of that up? I haven't edited it yet, Dave. Oh, okay. Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I then think you're... I was telling, um, I was on a live stream last week. I have like four terabytes from that trip. 
Oh wow! I have to go through. Jeez, man, <laughs> so that's much. daunting. Yeah. What do you? I mean, when you are dealt with that, like, how do you deal with it? Because I know I procrastinate like crazy because I just don't want to get into it, and I have this perfectionism issue where it's yep. like I want the edit to be perfect. Yeah. I've even talked it up to other people. Yeah, I I get like <laughs> I see myself getting. Well, first of all, there's always with me at least the fear that if i wait too long i'll be uninterested Mm -hmm. i have so many trips that i filmed and never made a video from Uh which also youtube helps with that because it's like yeah i'll make an edit from this footage that i took on my trip and you know it'll be fun but if i wait too long it's like oh well that's over i'm on to different things right yeah but then also there's this time in between and we took the trip in august and september and there's this time in between where it's like this fear that like if i look at the footage and it's (laughs) (laughs) like then i'm going to be really disappointed so then it's like an avoidance thing it's like i don't Mm. even remember if if that was good like what if it wasn't good right Mm -hmm. so it's like if i put it off then i won't have to face the realization that oh that actually didn't turn out well right so there's this weird thing just make it for yourself and forget about youtube and just upload it privately i don't have time for that yeah Yeah. Well, then you don't have to edit it, though. Just throw it on a timeline, edit like the raw footage. There you go. That's what I did for my wedding video. I didn't want to edit my wedding video because all my friends shot it for me for free. And it's like if I edited it, it'd be like a normal wedding video. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to edit it. So I just dropped all the raw footage, export it out. It's like two hours long and my parents love it. (laughs) It's actually cool to like see the raw footage. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, just do that we'll see we'll see i mean i think it's good but there's always that like nagging fear that like oh this isn't gonna turn out how you want but i also think there's a beauty in in taking like mistake footage or bad footage and like making it into a really cool story the magic happens in posts yeah often yeah um and once you do it enough you can kind of feel it it's like okay i can fix that with this or like you can even intentionally do things for the Mm post-production side do you ever find one of my key parts of my process is when i find the right song then i get inspired to oh, yeah? to, to finally never, do the edit music is not important to me at all <laughs> it really isn't it's the last i never listen to any music i edit with like... no music i was always taught you edit with no music because music should enhance the visuals not dictate it interesting and so i was always taught you want your edit to be as entertaining as possible with nothing and then you yeah. add the sound later, which is how films do it. Yeah. So the film is edited with no right. music and the, because the director wants the timing to be exactly what he wants yeah, or she, fair. he yeah. or she. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then they add it later. Uh, so I was always like, well, if they do that for film, then that makes sense. And the difference with that is like, they They're actually composing the music compose to it the, to, to the, the edit. Right. So it feels like dun, 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 right. perfect right. suspense to that moment. Cause they did it on purpose but you can always change songs like i'll extend a song or double it mm-hmm. and then for youtube especially i've found i barely even use music it's just kind of like a background yeah. thing but it's i know really that low on the background to make it not feel to, like slightly more paced yeah right? but i'm just like i'm basically cramming as much information in 10 minutes as possible for my gear reviews right so I found that like if there's a pause where there's like a cool b-roll scene people just duck out they stop watching because it's like okay i'm here to watch the review i don't want to watch your cool b-roll yeah, yeah so um we have cut out all b-roll i talk from the beginning to the end there's no stop i even cut out my intro pretty yeah. much i think the intro is like five seconds yeah so i don't even i don't even have any setup or history like so this is the third 
iteration of this camera and blah blah blah. It's just like so this camera has blah 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 blah. No, I love your reviews. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're. That's very... just what I've learned over three hundred of them or whatever. Yeah. But just a solid three hundred. <laughs> I don't even. Casual. Well, I don't know. I actually don't remember. But um, that's completely not to discount what what you're saying. Yeah. No. Music it makes... can inspire you to create. It makes sense though. Um. That's just my I, perspective. If, if I'm thinking about gear reviews and tutorials and stuff, I probably will just like throw on a song that I've used before, like and just yeah. throw it low. We just copy. I'm and talking paste about the more like exactly, exactly. I don't have the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna, but for more like narrative stuff, um, yes, absolutely. I will definitely always add it to the music. And the music, like you said, it can inspire you as you're creating too. I've. I think um, there was a movie. I don't remember what movie it was, but just trust me on it. They they actually had the uh, the music written before the movie was made, so it's reverse oh, of what wow. I was saying. Yeah. And he had the composer make all the all the tracks already. And as they were shooting the scenes for the film, they were actually playing Listen. it. In the oh, background. it was um, Baby Driver. Yeah. Was it? Uh, well, I know that that one was. Well, but that I, was already music that was already made, right? I think I'm talking about. I I don't remember what it is, but it was a yeah, big because he film. he uses the music as like beats in the action, mm-hmm. right? So, what would you say to somebody who is just starting out? They're similar to you. They're kind of like wanting to get into this, and then also they they have like they care about the world. They care about mm. things. Like, how can they do what you're doing? How can they start getting involved? in nonprofit, um, and then also how to build a YouTube channel. Yeah. Just start, just go for it. Yeah, I know it's a Um, lot. Yeah, first of all, just start. I have people, I'm sure you have a ton of DMs of people asking as well of just what gear they should start with and recommendations on, you know, Mm. they have this budget, what they should buy. You have an Apple note, just copy paste. (laughs) Bunch of affiliate links. Yes, perfect. (laughs) That's a strategy. I'm gonna make a note of that right now. Um, But but I also like, I I always ask follow-ups like, okay, are you making videos right now? Mm -hmm. I would never recommend somebody invest $500 in a camera if they're not shooting on their phone that they already have, Mm. right? So that's always my first question. So if you're gonna, if you want to start a YouTube channel, you haven't yet. Yeah. You don't have any gear, you're not a videographer and you've just been watching tutorials, hopefully, then just start practicing with your phone. And um, the first thing you should buy is a lavalier to plug into your phone. And Mm -hmm. then the second thing you should buy is a lighting kit and then a camera. And then Filmic Pro. Yeah, (laughs) and then Filmic Pro and then a camera, (laughs) right? It's like just, it's hard to realize that it's not really the camera that matters and just yes. learn how to tell a good story and be entertaining and, and figure mm-hmm. out if you even like doing it first. Editing can, if you shoot everything on an iPhone, but you learn to edit, which is free essentially, if you just have mm-hmm. a computer and YouTube, you can learn how to edit. Right. Like if you can learn composition, lighting, audio and editing, then when you feel ready, it's like, boom, yeah. as soon as you get a new camera that will enhance it yeah but if you don't know any of those things you have a good camera it just looks like garbage right and then you feel like i have a good camera i know what i'm doing yeah not at all it's it takes many it took me years to really understand my camera Mm -hmm. and then i switched to sony but i mean the principles are the same right just it it's hard to realize oh i should just be making 100 videos and and then see what happens right but in terms of the question of like working with nonprofits, um, I've kind of already said it's it's tough sometimes uh, if you want to get paid by a nonprofit to work with them. But even in the example of this human IT tech unboxing video, 
Like if I wanted to work for them, have them pay me or anything where there's an exchange of, of assets, basically, um, that process could have taken six months easily um, mm -hmm. if I wanted to work with them. So, but for this video, because there's, they're not paying me, um, I think I approached them maybe a month ago at this point and I emailed them on a Friday and they emailed me back on a Monday and we met on a Tuesday and I had approval, like nice. we're partnering on this, right? So realistically, if you're a creator, probably not if you're starting out, but if you're a creator that has pull that is already getting brand deals mm -hmm. and you want to work for causes that you're passionate about, just start to find the connections on your own. If you, if there's a nonprofit that you know you love and you maybe donate to them on a, on an annual basis or something like pitch, pitch some sort of collaboration to the brand that's partnering with a nonprofit and mm -hmm. just see, see if there's some yeah. synergy there. Um, because there probably will be if it makes sense and you have a video idea oh this would be really cool you know like a tech a tech unboxing yeah to start to think about the connections there because i think you'll find that your audience will will really love it i mean it, i've done studies on this um just kind of like for my talk at 368 basically and just for my pitch deck like content i don't even it was a while that i did the talk a while ago so i don't know the exact percentage but for the most part um, cause-based content does much better than regular content on YouTube mm. and Instagram and Twitter. So you think about Zach King does stuff. He did stuff with Charity Water. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Colder did stuff with Vet, Vet Paw, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, if you go all the way back to Casey Neistat with his like Nike thing and then yep. um, what was it? The, the incredible one that he did for a Walter Mitty movie. They gave yes. him like a bunch of money and he just spent all of it on like food and like he didn't make a commercial with it, but he did make a commercial with it. Right. Ironically, right. it got more views than if you just spin it on like a boring Walter Mitty commercial. Exactly. So, um, And then you have like Peter McKinnon and his film, The Bull. Like you have just have a ton of bigger creators that are, you know, spending some time doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but that content gets more engagement, more comments, um, and it builds a relationship with your audience. So, well, I mean, Mr. Beast has built his entire yeah. following on every video doing some sort of giving back of some sort yeah i've heard him talk too he's like people have said that negative content performs well but i've found that positive people people love positivity better, you know yeah for sure i mean giving a homeless person a million dollars is pretty positive <laughs> yeah and i want to watch that <laughs> <laughs> um the thing that i'm really getting from you just from this little interview that keeps coming up is you just go for it you just make it happen and i think it's hard for a lot of people to kind of have the nerve or the drive to like execute on mm. their dreams and aspirations. And I think that's something that's a really powerful, like skill that you have of just having an idea and just going for it. You know, it's like, Oh, this nonprofit website, uh, match.com doesn't exist. I'm going to make it. Or right. I'm, I like your reviews and tutorials. I'll try that. Or, I'll do storytelling, work with brands and do this and that and Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Like you're just right. trying everything and going for it. And that seems to be kind of the main thing that I keep hearing with our interview. And yeah. I think that's something that is inspiring to me. And I think hopefully people who are listening can be inspired by that too. Just go execute. That's like easier said than done. Yeah. But if you have something in your mind that you've been thinking about and you just are waiting around for, I don't know what, I mean, 
Yeah. What are what are things that people wait around for? And, yeah, I have and no why? idea to be honest. And and I would is that an athletics thing? Do you think? Yeah, maybe maybe that has played a role in my life. I'm sure it has in, in many ways. But yeah, um, I I think that I have. It's not really a process. It's not something that I've thought about a lot. But mm-hmm. if something is keeping me up at night, which things often do, but if it's day after day after day, you can't get mm-hmm. it out of your head. Mm-hmm. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Just try it. Just do it, right? Because um, what do you have to lose? I mean, sometimes, yeah, there are stakes, but mm-hmm. um, like even even this tech unboxing, like I'm spending my own money on this, but mm-hmm. ultimately if it's serving a, a longer term goal and it's on your mind and it's something that you want to do, yeah, see, what go you, for it. See, how, see how you can make it happen. That's one thing that a lot of people have said on this podcast. Um, if you want to do a certain type of work, be willing to maybe even spend your own money yeah. on uh, something that would be considered like a portfolio piece or something sure. that you can show off to other brands and say like, I want to do more of this. I did it once. It worked well, as yeah. you can see here. Uh, yeah. Let's let's go. You yeah. Know? And they don't. And um, actually, when I was talking to Lizzie Pierce and we did a, a collaboration on just how to charge clients, mm-hmm. um, we talked about this as well. Like, if you have a client and they have a thousand dollar budget or two thousand dollar budget, and mm-hmm. you're kind of in that range, and you want to bump up to the three thousand or four thousand dollar budget range, mm-hmm. it's like make that four thousand dollar product right mm-hmm. make that make that project for them for the two thousand dollars and just mm-hmm. tell them this is worth four thousand dollars so that when they refer refer you to new people they know that that project was worth four thousand dollars or uh, for yeah. the next time they hire you mm-hmm. they know that that's the worth of what you just gave them yeah um yeah just rent rent that piece of gear rent that yeah. slider rent whatever you need and mm-hmm. and just make it happen yeah and that would that would apply to freelance uh cinematography and stuff too like yeah if you can only book a $1,500 project right now because you're just starting out, you can tell them like, you know, this, I'm giving you a little bit of a deal. I'm kind of investing some of my own money into this. I want it to be really good. You know, moving forward, if you hire me again, this is going to cost three grand yep. to have this quality. Right. Um, and that's a lesson I've, I've learned uh, the hard way. It's like, just <laughs> always communicate your value and, and, yes. and practice doing that. Like if you want to mm-hmm. do this as, if you want to do video or photo full time as a freelancer or as having your own mm-hmm. business, like you have to learn to communicate your value. Mm-hmm. It's the most important part of your job. Yes. Video, like that's not what you do. Like you solve problems for your clients mm-hmm. using video. And so you have to be able to communicate that. And when you're first starting out, you know, you might not have a ton of uh, money that you can make because you just don't have the experience and right. there's value to that. Like you're not entitled to make 10 grand off your first project. Right. You know, <laughs> there's a reason why people who have been doing it for a long time can charge that and they do. Right. So there's a lot of wisdom in doing this uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, knowing what your value is and not necessarily cheapening what you do because when you cheapen what, you're charging just to undercut your competition or whatever you're kind of hurting the industry losing game because uh first off that company will always see you as that price point that is too cheap and then now from their perspective starting now that's their budget you know so uh when drones were like brand new i remember in nashville there was a guy who was like undercutting everybody and was charging like 50 bucks to fly and inspire (laughs) you know and it was like, dude, you're ruining <laughs> the whole industry and you're not making any money. Like, what right, the heck? Right. So, um, but you know, if it's a, if a brand doesn't understand that value too, like then 
they're being dumb too. And usually so. you should just move on at that point because you're not yeah. going to be a fun client to work with. It's okay to say no sometimes, even if it costs you a job. Uh, if you just don't feel right about it, if you don't feel comfortable, if it's not enough. I've certainly said yes to things that I regret yep, um, same. in the moment <laughs> while I'm shooting it. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be here. This is terrible. <laughs> um, they're not paying me enough, you know. Yep. And then the client is a nightmare. Yeah. So yeah. you got to learn to say no and uh, and just go execute the things that you feel passionate about. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I think a lot of people um, are pursuing YouTube as a way to get away from that client work. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine, but that also means that like you're you're transitioning into this thing where you're going to have to invest in yourself right yeah so it's like if you want to make this really rad video you make gotta make it, it. Mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> because until you prove that now you're like maybe you were making videos for ten thousand dollars as client work it doesn't mean right away somebody's going to pay you ten thousand dollars to make the video of your dreams that you really want to make that yeah mentions them as a sponsor <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so like just make the awesome content that you totally that you're dreaming of right yeah i was i mean for me personally i was starting to feel a little stale and so now like i'm spending more money on like i have a shooter and an editor mm -hmm. and i was kind of like i was talking to my wife about it and i was like i don't really i mean i'm able to do it by myself and I can obviously make more money that way because I can keep more of it. Right. I don't have to spend it. But she, you know, she encouraged me to get some help because it also frees me up to have more time at home. And creatively, like you said, I, I work better collaboratively with other people. Right. So maybe even if you're at if you're at a point where you can't afford it and maybe even if you can't afford it, consider having somebody else that is editing or shooting. I'm talking to yep. you too, Alex. <laughs> Consider hiring somebody. It's not, it doesn't have to be the, you know, an expensive, crazy pro, even yeah. somebody paying somebody just to do the foundational editing of, you know, uh, syncing your audio, you know, going through your B roll, right. kind of just the basics. And then you can take it from there. Like right. that can cut out an entire day of, right. We talked about this last week. Yeah. It's like, I have, <laughs> I think I have upwards of 15 videos mm -hmm. that need editing for my channel mm -hmm. and like, it's, I'm just continuing to shoot more too. So it's just like, it's all yeah. rolling. It's like, when am I going to possibly yeah. edit all this? So yeah, it's, it's a tough leap. It's definitely, mm -hmm. that's a struggle for me right now. I'm like, how could I possibly like pay someone to edit when I'm not making money from it? But it's an investment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't even know the answer to that. Maybe you either. can give them a piece of something. I don't know, but yeah. Or just stop shooting and catch up. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, just start editing your videos yeah, that are already on your hard six drive. Months. <laughs> I think that's a sign that like, at least for me, I I can relate to that. I was like that. And maybe other people who are listening are like that. Like I personally don't have a passion for editing. I like mm -hmm. seeing the edit finished. I like a certain style of editing, but because I, I would do that too, just stack up all these shoots. I love the shooting process yep. and the production side of it and um, also like the i don't necessarily I love idea editing. of making ideating mm -hmm. right it's like mm -hmm. this that's a really fun i really enjoy that and brainstorming mm -hmm. like you come up with that idea and you're like i'm gonna make this happen like that's yeah. a really exciting part of this it is and then you finish it or not finish it you shoot it and then it's it almost there. feels done when you're yeah it's like cool i did that i made that happen yeah, yeah. but then nobody can see it <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> all right well if anybody wants to edit for alex shoot her a dm <laughs> <Hit me up. laughs> and uh, maybe she'll consider 
giving you no money to help her get caught up. But then once she's not, caught up. I would not do that. I can't possibly like. Work for free. Yeah. Intern. Get yeah. an intern. <laughs> so we started out with athletics. You're like an athlete to the core, but then also you've transitioned to being this uh, creative storyteller, director, freelance shooter, uh, moving to LA. I mean, what was that whole move like when you told your family and friends, I'm moving to LA? Well, I almost went to college in LA. Um, so they were already kind of braced for it. Yeah. Yeah. And my parents moved to LA with the knowledge that I would be following. Oh, I, really? I just, I delayed it. So they were okay. not pleased that I didn't move out <laughs> earlier. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, we got a two bedroom apartment cause you said you were moving out to LA and you were going to live with us and now oh, you're wow. not coming. <laughs> That's yeah. usually how that went. But, um, Are you yeah. only child? No, my sister um, actually okay. is moving to LA oh, cool. in like three weeks. So now you're all going to be together. So now we're all going to be Yay. together. It's going to be awesome. Um, That's great. But yeah, no, I think I talked about this on a different podcast a few months ago, I think. But like well, it's not the, this one. So. Yeah, exactly. But the, the moving, <laughs> like I feel like there are a lot of people that are living in places where they're like, oh, I can't possibly make this happen because I don't live in LA or New York, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is just not true because there are people like us everywhere. You, know, yeah. you can always find your tribe in where you are. I'm surprised But if you really time. do, like I don't believe that I could do what I'm doing in terms of um, like the impact industry is really big out here. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that in like Indianapolis or something. Mm -hmm. But so if there's somebody that really wants to move to the coast or to LA or New York or just a bigger city, yeah. There's never going to be the perfect time. It's mm -hmm. always going to be more expensive cost of living. Mm -hmm. But if you really want it, you just have to go for <laughs> yeah, it. Like yeah. it's just, you know, it's like and and if if it's if there's no option, if if you know that's what you have to do and that's what's going to make you happy, mm -hmm. just go for it and always know that mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out, like you can always move back yeah wherever you're coming from you can always move back yeah so and i've had friends that have done that i've had friends that have moved from from the midwest to la and mm -hmm. they've moved back and it's fine i would say if you do want to move to la or new york or something like that and if you live in the states if there's a city in another country that's kind of like a popping <laughs> city um then consider you know building a internet following or try to do the internet you know thing in terms of making money because then that really gives you the it flexibility because you really are truly working for yourself off the internet with no location needed. Yeah. So, but there are plenty of YouTubers that like live in the middle of nowhere and have no other creators Absolutely. that live there. Uh, they just happen to live in that area. I mean, yeah. Texas, I think there's a couple people in Texas. Um, I know Film Riot, Ryan Connolly, he's in mm -hmm. Dallas and he has like no intention of moving here, which is, right. blows my mind. I feel like he would do well here, Yeah. but, um, but he doesn't want to, he wants to live there and um, you know, as far as I know, nobody was in Nashville. That's why I wanted to get out of there. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, Alex, for coming in and just talking about your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me. The uh, YouTube world, also the creator world. I think it's so cool that you're an athlete. I actually didn't know that about you, and it kind of gives me a good insight into you and why you're competitive framework. and like <laughs> you're a go getter. And uh, that is awesome. Do you still shoot hoops or like? play any sports for fun uh yeah uh we're fairly active and we like hiking we just like being outdoors and yeah with our dogs but we played in a, a co-ed basketball league last winter nice champs again Heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> not competitive baller at all again. <laughs> but that's awesome yeah, though yeah. it's fun 
um, doing things outside of, you know, work uh, can be good. It's good to balance, especially physical activity. Yeah, for because sure. Because we're so it's sedentary. Hard to it's hard to balance it that hard. and prioritize movement. Especially when you stay up all night. Yes. <laughs> and you're physically and exhausted. And you're sitting, you're, you're sitting for 12 hours editing. <laughs> it's like, but it is. It's really important to prioritize it. Yeah. It's hard, but. Real excited to see your journey, and I feel like we're getting you at a great time, and we'll have to have you on a year from now and see, like... Check in. Put the yeah. pressure on. I like it. Exactly. Like see that. what's going on. Again, follow Alex on social so that you can find out more about the uh, website. What's it called again? What's your brand? Lofty. Lofty. So be on the lookout for Lofty, everybody. Yes. Can't wait. I'm going to sign up for it. Immediately. Perfect. Yes. I can't All wait. Right. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Alex. It was a real honor for me to talk to her and to get her perspective on how to blend your creative skills with serving and working with a nonprofit or a company that is making a difference in this world. I wish her the best and I think you guys should definitely give her a follow on Instagram and Twitter to see when her small business goes live where you could sign up and actually connect with these nonprofits and things. So definitely follow her on Instagram or Twitter. Alex Gassaway is her username. And uh, shoot her DM and say, hey, great job on the Golden Hour podcast as well. Please subscribe if you haven't already. It means the world to us to have you guys listen every single week. I hope you guys had a great holiday season. Once again, I'm Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio. We'll see you next week.